the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. Welcome to Heart of the City. I'm your host, Adrian Tijerina, Director of Local Ministry at KGNW. On this program, we highlight churches, nonprofit organizations, and ministries to hear stories of how God is moving in the Pacific Northwest. One of my greatest hopes for this program is to encourage you, the listener, to connect with these organizations so you can join in the great work that God is doing right outside your door. I mean, if not for that, you know, all of this program is just going out into the air for no reason. So I would encourage you even now, before we start this conversation, to prepare your hearts to to hear and to be encouraged uh, to step into a new work that God is doing uh, here in the city. With me today in the studio is Ezekiel Bambolo. He's the executive director of Antioch Adoptions based out of Redmond, Washington. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Adrian. So happy to be here with you this morning. Well, it's so wonderful to have this conversation and to, um, yeah, open up to our listeners uh, to hear about Antioch Adoptions and uh, all the great things that are happening. But it isn't your first time here on Heart of the City. I know you did a program with Chuck Olmsted earlier. So for our listeners out there who are not familiar with you, Antioch Adoptions, and uh, just your story, could you just let us know a little bit about yourself and how did God bring you to where you are today? Oh, you're asking for a lot, but be careful. (laughs) So I am a kid out of Liberia, West Africa, born and raised there. My parents were missionaries from Cameroon and Central Africa to Liberia, and they raised their family of four children in Liberia. Uh, They also ended up adopting quite a few kids. Now, it's not the official adoption that we hear in the U.S., Mm But a family comes to you and says, hey, I want my son to go to school, and I can't afford to send him to this school because it's too expensive. And my mom and dad, especially my dad, he was the bull in the family, <laughs> who say, bring your son over, bring your daughter over, and then they'll become our sister and our brothers. So I've got at least four, if not more, brothers and sisters. Some, I have two that I talk to a lot more frequently. Mm-hmm. So they had their four four other kids from other people that they helped, and they raised us up as their kids, uh, working as missionaries, like I said, in this foreign land for almost 30 years mm-hmm. until a civil war drove our family out. The Liberian Civil War is well known around the world. Mm-hmm. Very vicious, child soldiers, uh, some crazy atrocities. But that was my background, and right about my 19-year-old uh, range is when Even though the war was going on and had been involved for a couple of years, God had brought some people in our lives, my family, to – they were missionaries as well from the U.S. with the Southern Baptist Convention. And they had been observing this young kid on the basketball court, in the classroom, in the choir, in the quartet, in the band, and felt like, hmm, 
he might be able to go to the U.S. so that we can educate him and send him back to his country. Mm-hmm. And that was the intent. But we did not know there would be a civil war that would go on for 14 long years. Wow. And so by the time that all rolled around, life had taken a, a, a couple of different turns, uh, not only with my own family but my own life because I was re- desperate to get my family out of the war. Mm-hmm. And so I took, uh, instead of going to medicine, I decided to go into business information technology. That was my, stu- my school uh, education. Uh, and then eventually I was able to bring all of my family out of Liberia to the U.S., I have siblings around the U.S., my parents came as well, but they're Africans and wanted to live the African way. Mm-hmm. And the old folks have a hard time, you know, adjusting. And so they lived here for quite a few years, but moved back. I never looked at what those missionaries, Lloyd and Marge Garrison, mm-hmm. uh, Lloyd passed away in 2003. Marge is now almost, she's 99 years old. You know what happens at that time of age. You know, things start to go not as, you don't remember things as well. But she's my mom. They became my adoptive parents brought me over, placed me into their home, to their family, treated me just like their own child, gave me a chance to educate myself in this country and indeed rescue my family from some very atroc- uh, some serious atrocities. I'm now married, have two children of my own. I met my wife here in the U.S. in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, as we attended North Idaho College. Um, and God has been so good to us in terms of allowing me not only to restored my family, but he's given me a family that I would not, I mean, I'm blessed to be the man that I am with the wife that I have, with the children that I have. And uh, that's what adoption is, right? We talk about adoption and then we think about all that. We think it's a cultural thing that, you know, people want to do nice things. No, adoption originates in, the, in, the, in who God is. Mm-hmm. But adoption gives you a chance to not only redeem what in case, just think about my life from a war situation, but it's allowed me to move that into the next generation with some purpose. Mm-hmm. It's a lot when God, when he talks about it in Romans eight, he he we've been adopted into his family. Mm-hmm. There was a trajectory that was headed to de- destruction and death, but God steps into the lives of young people in that when we talk about adoption in America, mm-hmm. and He r- rescues them by bringing a family that wants to bring them to their home and love them for their own, like someone did to me, mm-hmm. and then sends them on a whole new trajectory that is, in this case, no one can take us out of the hands of Christ. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what adoptive parents do. That's what someone did for me, that mm-hmm. I now I want to give back as much as I can every time I call myself an executive director for Antioch Adoption. I didn't see it coming. It's yeah. a God thing the way he makes it happen. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love the way that you bring even the names uh, of of the folks that have impacted you in the years. I think there's something there about the, just the testimony of the faithful people that have gone before us that had the boldness to, to share the gospel, to, to open their homes, to be a part of somebody's life. I think that there's something so special about that, that that happens in Christian community, that happens in, in when we open our lives and our hearts up to Jesus, and we have the boldness to then step into that and invite, you know, children into our lives or invite people who who have these desperate needs. I love that testimony, brother. That is just uh, fantastic. So could you share with us a little bit about, uh, you know, just the history of Antioch Adoptions and, uh, yeah, just your involvement with that organization? Yes. As I got to this country, went to school and everything and got done, my, somehow God brought me to Seattle 
And it was because, obviously, I felt Seattle with Microsoft and everything else was the hotbed for IT. So I guess that was what I came looking for since my degree was in information technology. And I got here, and my wife and I, oh, at the time we were dating at first, and then we got married a little bit after here, and we just wrestled sometimes, uh, obviously, with marriage. And as we did that, God brought us to Antioch Bible Church. Mm-hmm. And I, we ran into this person called Ken Hutcherson. And I'll admit, when I walked into the church the first time, someone had told me, a good basketball buddy of mine, I said, man, I know you've been talking about going looking for a church. Have you checked out Antioch Bible Church? That guy can teach. Mm-hmm. Really? So uh, I've been around church all my life. I know what's going on. Let me go see this guy who can teach. Mm-hmm. But, but Dr. Hutchison came to church on a June morning and preached a sermon on the parable of the talents. He preached that sermon, and he turned around and gave each person in the building that day, uh, for three services, I believe it was at that time, every adult a $10 bill and every teenager a $5 bill that could handle it and said, go and invest that money like you heard from this parable. And in hmm. six months, we're going to collect that money. That $20,000, there were $16,000 that went out that morning. Mm-hmm. In Christ- at Christmas time, around six months later, they collected that money, and they came back $284,000. dollars hmm and then he turned to the congregation and said, we're going to start an adoption ministry. God needs to be doing adoption, not the state and everybody else. Yeah. But yes, the deal, because God's hand has been in this from the beginning, we will never charge a penny for any adoption we do, whether it's a private adoption or it's a foster to adopt. We will never take a penny from the state because we want this to be God's work done God's way. Wow. And the church should be the one that's doing adoption in America. So mm-hmm. that's why Antioch Adoption was founded. And we've been there for 21 years, have never t- charged a penny to any adoptive family, have never taken a penny from any family, and God has seen fit to give us close to over 600 finalized adoptions wow. a, for a very part-time agency. Mm-hmm. We want to see this work not only grow here in the state of Washington, we want to see this work grow nationally because we have a unique model mm-hmm. with the church. We are a ministry of the church. We're not an adoption agency. Mm-hmm. Antioch Adoption is a ministry of the church. We want to see go forward. So that's the history of Antioch Adoptions. That's wonderful. And, you know, I can just imagine our listeners who are hearing that statement, (laughs) no money, because I know the cost is just so extreme. So uh, I just love that, brother. I love that, um, that heart to just keep things, as you said, God's work done in God's way. I just absolutely love that. Never like God's supply. Mm -hmm. And God has been so incredible for 21, 21 years. Uh, we yet yeah, we live by what people, generous donors, Christians, what have you, mm-hmm. give to this agency is how we function because it is not cheap. And it's the average adoption we would say is anywhere between twelve, ten to fifteen thousand dollars for us. Mm-hmm. The time it takes us to do a, an adoption, home studies, and everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the average cost of a private adoption in America is forty five thousand dollars. Yes, yeah, right. That's the average cost. We have not been. We have not charged a single penny ever, and God has been faithful because the church has committed to do this God's way. I'd love to hear from you a little bit more. What's your vision for Antioch Adoptions, and yeah, and what would that connection look like with local churches? Yeah, I, I think now our focus these last couple of years has been a lot. You know, the adoption industry 
is only right now learning to connect the dots on the brain science behind adoption. I think a lot of people, even churches, have said, well, if someone adopts and brings a child into their home, if that child is coming from a difficult situation, just the fact that they've opened their doors and brought that child, that should be good enough. That should be, it's, it's all done. That should, from now on, everything is going to be great. I will paint this picture because a lot of us, your listeners, all of us, never think about this. But I don't care if you have a passion for illiteracy or a passion for sex trafficking or human trafficking. Maybe you have a passion for uh, prison ministry. Maybe you have a passion for uh, drug abuse. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, every societal ill you can think about in our culture has its deep roots in foster care. Hmm. Every single one of them. Wow. And it's costing us. And even if you don't believe in the whole biblical model behind why God wants us to be involved with orphans and widows and the foster and, and adoption situation, think about this other science. This came from the National Youth Foster Institute. And it said that every life that comes out of foster care and ages out into our community will cost a taxpayer, uh, the taxpayer, $300,000. There are 25,000 young people a year aging out of foster care, age 18. No one has ever claimed to be their own kid. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they walk out into the streets and into every one of those societal ills that we're talking about. Yes. And it's costing each taxpayer 300000 so $25,000. Wow. I'm 25,000 people a year, young people, mm-hmm. times 300000 You do the math on how much we're, it's costing us as a community yeah. yearly. Yes. Because we won't step in there and take some young people, bring them into our homes. And even if we can't bring them into our homes, how can we get involved mm-hmm. to save those young people? And even if you don't care about the biblical model, mm-hmm. let's save our taxes. Let's save our taxes. But I'm telling you, God's got some incredible work that he's doing through these young lives, and we have to save them before they get to the place of causing us societal ills or causing themselves harm. Mm -hmm. And that's the model that we want to do. That's the God model. That's why he created adoption in Romans 8, 14 to 17. That's why he talks about it. in It's the heart of God in James 1, 27. Mm -hmm. This is not a mistake. If we don't do it, we pay the price for it. Whether you feel like, oh, they didn't rob me. You are involved in our community and it's costing you. So. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You are listening to Heart of the City, and we are joined today by Executive Director of Antioch Adoptions, Ezekiel Bambolo. And just before we continue this conversation, I would just love to read that verse from James chapter 1, verse 27, that says this, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Ezekiel, I love the way that you frame adoption as entering into the work of God, but I love that we can draw that connection to to doing what God has presented to us over and over in the Scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament. There is a call for God's people to care for orphans and widows. Um, I just wanted to ask you, uh, if you might share a story of success or uh, just the impact that Antioch Adoptions has had on a family or whatever you'd like to share. We've been blessed, Adrian. We've been blessed for many years to see stories. And I think what I love about Antioch Adoptions is we are your young adult now. We're 21 years old. And we're starting to see those babies back then 
now become young adults mm-hmm. and coming and saying, wow, thank you so much for what you did by allowing me to be adopted through your agency, through your mm-hmm. ministry. So those are popping up. And I will share a couple. I mean, I will share one main one because I want something more current right now that's happening for people to be in prayer about, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's, some, that's what touches our hearts. And I will tell you the first, uh, there's been stories of a young, you know, I remember the ones that comes, comes to mind is a young lady who was a, what we call a pick baby, meaning a drug-infected baby in mm-hmm. utero. And it comes out of the mother's system completely drugged up. And they have to be cleaned, you know, weaned mm-hmm. of that drugs, of those drugs, excuse me. And um, I remember a young lady in our local community who has done a tremendous job. A few years ago, we highlighted her as one of our um, uh, uh, one of our auctions with her and her mom mm-hmm. and had a wonderful story of seeing where she's come becoming. She wasn't supposed to be able to walk, have the brain function and anything, but she's been an athlete. She's been a homecoming queen. Wow. She's been some incredible, she's done some incredible things in her life. Mm-hmm. And she's grown up now as a young woman trying to decide, trying to see how God is going to use her in her, you know, in her walk, you know, very, not a, not, a, not a beautiful thing, but I also remember her talking about how she was so grateful for the family that adopted her. Mm-hmm. Why, Adrian? Because she looked at her siblings who would never get the chance to be adopted and saw where their life had led them compared to where hers was or wow. is. And it was a real gut-wrenching one. And so we received a letter from her uh, and a packet just telling her, telling us thank you for mm-hmm. what we've done and where she is in life right now. And she's going to fall and make mistakes here and there, but that story cannot be scripted. For, to see what God has done in that life and that done in that family. Mm-hmm. But I'll give you something more recent. We are just recently, we have turned back to doing what we call our private adoption. For a few years, we did not do the private adoption where if a, if a mom, teen mom or a birth mom is unable to carry her, uh, take care of a, a child after giving birth, yeah. then we provide an opportunity for one of our families to adopt that baby. For about 10 so years, we were not doing that. We were focusing primarily on foster care. Mm-hmm. In the last three months or so, we decided to reestablish or rebuild our private adoption program. And as a young lady that we were able to place a child, I mean, within a month or two months, whatever, of starting this, we were able to place a child in their home that finally got uh, adopted last month or so. And I know the family that has adopted this, ch- this child is an incredible family. I've met them. I spend time with them. This is their second child that they have adopted, and both children are about seven months apart. But their heart and their compassion is so strong. Mm-hmm. And I've and we have a program where we try to make sure that birth mom or birth dad, if he's involved, have a chance to meet with the adoptive folks, adoptive parents, mm-hmm. at least once a quarter. Because it's not just about the baby that we're saving. Mm-hmm. It's about how do we rescue mom and dad from the struggles that have led them to where they are. Well, as we start to wrap up our conversation today, you know, I would really just love to hear from you on and, and how our listeners can contribute or partner with Antioch Adoptions. I mean, perhaps you can give us some perspectives for church leaders, how they can get involved, but then also maybe somebody who's just, you know, listening and um, in their car, and maybe they just have a heart for this sort of a thing. How can, how can they get involved with you? I would like to be selfish and make it all about Antioch adoptions, but you just struck a chord in my heart when you said about churches especially. I think what I will focus on when you ask that question, Adrian, is that a lot of churches are trying to open their doors to serve foster kids or people who are catering to foster families. And a lot of times I think there is an intimidation 
because the church is not quite sure yet how to handle these so-called difficult kids. And a lot of times those kids end up, and those families end up looking from the outside in because they don't feel welcome mm-hmm. in the church community. Yeah. Whereas, again, in James 1, 127, we've been called mm-hmm. to do that, right? So how do we create in our churches an environment that these kids from difficult, back, difficult lives can come into a, a fellowship, a church community, and feel loved and welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've start, instituted in our agency, in our ministry, a, tr- a training program we call TBRI. It stands for Trust-Based Relational Intervention. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was put together probably, was, I mean, I know with some Christian principles way back when, and it has become a world-renowned deal that we try to make sure that every family that comes through our program gets trained to understand the uh, effectiveness, mm-hmm. the t- tools, the methods of the TBRI process. But I say that because I think uh, churches need, whether it's one designated person, obviously every, every time there's a senior pastor blessing, it's an incredible uh, motivator, it's an incredible catalyst mm-hmm. for these to be effective. But we want to slowly expand. We started a few years ago, three years ago, by sending a couple of our staff to get trained on this method, TBRI. Mm-hmm. Then we brought, they came back and they did teach, uh, kind of a teach, uh, teach to teach, uh, teach us, our staff, to understand how this com- these components work. Now we've opened up our doors where our families that are coming to adopt from us have to get trained by TBRI. But even the ones that were with us, have been with us for a few years, we're starting to conduct classes within our facility on a monthly basis uh, where we're training families to be able to handle this. I don't, our goal and our vision is to hopefully not just end there, but someday be able to, with the help of the TBRI national uh, organization, be able to really offer that to churches where mm-hmm. they're trained to really learn these tools, these, these tools to help foster families be mm-hmm. welcome, feel like this is my own community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we do support groups for our families and everything around the area as well, but, but I can't think of a more powerful tool for the church to have an access to mm-hmm. that will allow them to see the bigger picture of what they're doing through this foster care or orphan care mm-hmm. and ultimately what they're doing to the bigger picture of trauma-informed care for our community. Because yes. all of these hurting people, no matter how you look at it, it's trauma. Yes. And when trauma sets into our, our, into our souls, into our, our, I mean, our spirit, it can, be, it can have some very long, long-lasting damaging effects. Mm-hmm. So you asked a question about the church. Uh, I, I'm, the vision for that is that we can really get to a point where we have taught churches how to handle these hard from, oh, kids from hard places and their families yes. so that we're really doing the work of God. Mm-hmm. And, and yet there is a brain science to it that sometimes can become intimidating. Mm-hmm. But trust me, these tools that we're using are pretty much biblical-centered tools. That's incredible. That's you see wonderful. that God's already had it. He has it in the scriptures how yes. we should do this work. Yeah, and that's just a great way for people to, to be equipped um, maybe for folks who just don't even know where to start. <laughs> you know, that's a great way to, to, to connect with them. Ezekiel, it's just been so great to have you on the program again. And uh, it's wonderful to hear all the amazing things uh, happening at Antioch Adoptions. Uh, all the best to you and to your team. Uh, I, you know, I was able to attend uh, a gathering the other week, and it was just amazing to hear uh, just all the ways uh, these churches around and, and you're the folks who are just blessing um, these families and kids with the, the time and the volunteer hours and everything. 
I just pray that the Lord just continue to to bless you all. And it's been great to have you here in the studio. Yeah, I mean, we we obviously have events that people can get involved with as well. We have we do an auction a year, so people get involved with that. We also, when we start to work with these birth mothers, we things like doing a baby shower for a birth mom who otherwise would not have the opportunity, right? Or when we, and so there, there are ways, they can reach out to us. There are ways to volunteer, a lot of opportunities. You don't have to be a, a, a foster parent. Yes, we like a lot of those as well, especially if they're, if they're Christ-centered foster parents in the church. But there are a lot of ways that you can volunteer and be a part, have a, your hand to the plow, because it's a very big plow. Yes. Amen. Well, if you have been considering adoption or foster care, uh, please reach out to Antioch Adoptions or visit AntiochAdoptions.org. That's AntiochAdoptions.org. For those of you who are not able to place a child into your home, or uh, we would just invite you to support this organization with your prayers and financial contributions. Uh, there's some amazing work happening here in our state, and we just want to see um, the church step up to be that first answer for these challenging problems. Well, this is Adrian Tijerina, Director of Local Ministry at KGNW. Thank you for listening today, and please join us again for Heart of the City as we highlight the amazing work God is doing in our city. For more information on how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, please call me, Adrian Tijerina, at 206-269-6208. Again, 206-269-6208. You've been listening to this 820 AM, the word special heart of the city. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word, go to thewordseattle.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.